Hello everyone and welcome to this delayed episode of the Brunton Bugle. Now, as I'm sure you can understand, after the announcement of the death of Queen Elizabeth, the original episode of the Brunton Bugle for last week was put on hold, especially with the anticipated postponement of the Harrogate game. Now, with the Mansfield game going ahead this evening, we've done a bit of editing to take out the Harrogate preview bit and the predictions for that game, but you'll probably still hear a couple of references to Harrogate during the episode. Apologies for that, there's no way really we could have taken those bits out. Also note that the chat about uh, Fishbone's loan recall was before we knew he was going to Morpeth Town on loan. We'll cover that in more detail in the Wimbledon preview. Thank you once again for your patience on this. Normal service will resume from Friday. Cheers and off the blues. And we're looking good, you'll be in for a fight And we fight pretty good, getting goals is our job And we get goals good, looking good, we are Carlisle United Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle The number one place to get your Carlisle fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Dan McLennan It's a six goal thrill at Brunton Park As United are held to a draw by bottom club Rochdale We look back on a frustrating afternoon for the Blues last weekend While previewing a back-to-back away games Against Harrogate Town and Manfield Town this week yeah, it was one of those days, wasn't it? Last weekend, Dan. You know, just just things just didn't seem to go quite right, but we still got a mm. point of it. Yeah, uh, it was a bit of both, wasn't it? Was it yeah. two points dropped or one gained? You know, well, we'll, we'll discuss that shortly, won't we? There mm. you go. Um, how are you doing, mate? You all good? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, six games into the season now, feeling a bit more confident than you were prior to the season starting, or are you about the same? Well, we're going to win the league, so... <laughs> well, there you go. You didn't predict us to win the league in the things, so you must be more confident. I, I was being polite. <laughs> um, yes, anyway, let's get straight into it then. Um, as usual, the episode is sponsored by the Carl United Sports Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Kainati fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston, Singapore, and of course, every part of London in the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sports games, and fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section this season. Too, you can find out more about London Branch at their website, carlolondonbranch.org. We've got a few little things planned with London Branch, hopefully. We're going to look into to sorting out, aren't we, Dan? Very early days. Potentially, we've got something uh, exciting to sort with them, but we'll have to wait and see with that one. Does it involve cheese and wine? Oh, we could, we, well, we could make it involve cheese and wine, couldn't we? <laughs> uh, you, you used to have fun and games with that, didn't you? The good old and, uh, days, the good old days. Good old days, indeed, indeed. Uh, just a reminder, obviously, to everybody. Um, yes, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on all good podcast apps, whether that's Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, what's the other one? Um, Pocket Cast, that's the one I use. I always forget that one. Um, yeah, and uh, just click subscribe whenever and whenever an episode comes out. You'll get it straight, a little, well, not straight into your thing, but a little notification telling you you can download it and listen to it at your leisure. Um, you can follow us on social media, at Brunton Bugle on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we're also on Facebook, just search for Brunton Bugle and click like. Uh, you can also find us on uh, well, email us, bruntabugle at gmail.com, or you find us on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group. It's a great group to join that if you haven't already. It's about 2,300 members of it, really, really active. And also on the cumbins.net message board. Um, yeah, I think I've summed it all up there, haven't I? <laughs> all, the, all the usual intro stuff, yeah. all covered. Um, there's no other bit really we need to, to cover at the moment, is it, I don't think. 
off the top of my head. <laughs> anyway, no, I can't think of anything. Let's get into the news section then. A couple of little bits of news this week, isn't there? We've had a quite a few weeks and now suddenly we've had a couple of little bits. And both of them are sort of interlinked, aren't they, actually? Because um, a nice little segue we can go from one into the other. So, yeah, the first bit is uh, Sam Fishburne. His loan spell at Blythe Spartans has been ended early. Yes, um, he was supposed to stay three months at Crofts Park at the National League North side. But um, it's been terminated early. Uh, he, he struggled to make an impact, really, hasn't he? It's been a tough one for him, this loan spell, I think. He's not... When you think about his loan spell, he had at Lancaster City last season, where he was, you know, from game one, he was right on it. He's not really been given the chance, has he? No. Uh, Blythe haven't been doing brilliantly, either. No. I think they're about 18th out of 24 in the National League North. Uh, they've only won two games, lost four. You know, the. I think it's a case of they've been struggling. I think the manager possibly he uh, he hasn't wanted to chuck him in. I mean, yeah. they got they got hammered on Saturday at Peterborough Sports. Who, uh, I mean, come on, how, how National they, League National North. North. It's, it's well, ridiculous, isn't it? I, I've just got the league table here, and Kingsland are top, Banbury are second, Leamington sixth, and Peterborough Sports are tenth. No, it, that well, just on. shows. I mean, I'm I'm big into all of this because I'm a stator. But when you look at all the various maps that are out there of the divisions, yeah. the drag towards the south is it's getting yeah. worse every year. It really is. Yeah, it definitely it's, is. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, he's um he's been recalled. Um, United haven't made any comment yet, but we understand Paul Simpson is going to in his uh pre-match presser, which he's probably taken up part. Taking place right about now while we're recording, isn't it, Dan? So typically, well, you'll you'll find out by the time you listen to this why he's been recalled. But there's a possibility maybe there's a bit of concern of Edmondson picking up a couple of injuries that maybe we need an extra body in there to, to take a place on the bench. Mm. Maybe possible. I, I suspect he's probably looking, get him training with the first team for a little bit, and then get him out back on loan to someone else maybe for the rest of the till the Christmas at least, because um, he needs to be playing games. There's no point in him being back and just not involved. Um, which does bring us quite nicely on, doesn't it, Dan? To uh, the reserves, they opened up their Central League Cup campaign this week with a win. Uh, they beat Fleetwood Town down at Fleetwood one uh, nil, and the goal was scored by none other than Sam Fishburne. So there Ooh. you go, he instant impact on his return. Um, yeah, it sounds like a quite an entertaining game on this one, doesn't it, Dan? I watched a bit of the uh, YouTube highlights, and yeah, plenty of chances at each end, wasn't there? It was, uh, to, uh, and they they had a strong team, didn't they? Yeah, well, they they have a proper under twenty three setup yeah. still, don't they? So they're they're a bit more used to it. I mean, these games, the Central League Cup. First of all, it's almost a secret at our club, and that really annoys me because mm. you know it's it's just reserve team football. I mean, I'm not going to go on to a rant. I think we should have a proper reserve team anyway. I think being in the league, it should be a rule. Yeah. But these games are obviously you know the the competitive. Forgive. You know, people who haven't been, played too many minutes a game. I think we've also got Blackpool and Accrington in our group. Yeah. Funnily enough, on the Central League Cup website, we were actually down as a home team for this. So I wonder if we've, if we've asked to switch, because obviously Fleetwood have the uh, excellent facility that they use, don't they? Yeah, so I think that might be the reason. But um, mm. but yeah, so uh, you, got, you got the winning goal in the 90th minute, did Sam. Um, good little bit of play by Jack Stretton down the right, beat his man, 
gets into the the box and plays it across the six yard box for. I mean, it's a, it's a tapping in a sense, but it's a good it's good movement, isn't it, to get into the box and and finish. That's the key thing, and that that's what we want to see from him because we saw that you know with the, with the goals he scored for Lancaster City and how well he did for the youth team. We just need to see that at a slightly higher level now from Sam. So hopefully that'll give him a little bit of confidence. Whatever happens next, whether he goes back out on loan or he he stays with the first team squad. Um, good bit of game time though for the likes of a. Uh, Iden, um, Ellis, Charters, Hilton, and Stretton all get some good minutes under their belts. And uh, Gabe Breeze got a bit of praise, didn't he? As well, he seems to be uh, had had. A, it seems to be basically they've looked for. Well, Kelly played in the game against. Um, sorry, he didn't play in a game, did he? The game we don't talk about, he featured in. Um, so they thought we'll give Breeze a bit of game time in this one, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's all that is. Uh, yeah. Which is which is only right. I mean, I'll. I'll I'd maybe like to see Breeze go out on the loan if any sort of like National League, North National League needed keeper. I wonder if they're maybe looking and thinking, wait till Scotty Simons gets fit again in, I think it's about December, isn't it, with his shoulder injury? Yeah. And maybe then you look to send him out on loan to get a bit of game time. Although, although you, you, with goalkeepers, you can usually put recalls in for that very reason, can't Yeah, you? yeah. And the thing and the thing is with that as well is if, if you send him out on loan, right about then, teams will start to pick up injuries with goalkeepers and they yeah, yeah. So it's a probably going to work out well so there you go for one one game down for the six isn't that you play each team home and away in the central league cup so that's one game down the competition this cup is notorious for rearranged and cancelled yeah it drags so out the, all season the, doesn't it there right? are fixtures available on various websites but treat mm. them with a pinch of salt yes and uh and last time we we, we well, a couple of years ago we got to the final didn't we Mm. Um, well, we played Bournemouth, who, as you would expect, had a ridiculously good squad, so didn't really have much chance of winning that. But, uh, but yeah, good experience that was at uh, St George's Park for the players. Right, let's go on to match reviews then, Dan. Um, here we go. Kyle United free, Rochdale free. I mean, I mean, fair play. If you were in neutral come to this game, you'd be entertained, wouldn't you? Goals galore. If you're a Carlisle fan, you're tearing your hair out, aren't you? Because you know one of those days where we finally get for the first time in i think it was something like a year and a half wasn't it that we scored three goals in a game and we still don't manage to get all three points mm. yeah it was uh one of those it was just we always seem to have at this time of year a bit of a crazy mm. match i remember we had a four all with wimbledon the four four with cambridge as well yeah 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 don't know what because it, it wasn't even red hot or anything, was it? It was a, just just a strange one. It just it was, it was actually meant to rain all Saturday, but yeah. it didn't really it didn't really come in the end. So yeah, just like I said, one of those frustrating days. And uh, yeah, in Rochdale being bottom of the league, you do look at it and you think to yourself, it's a good chance this to get three points on board and push up the table, and then you end up getting a point. But actually, you come out thinking actually I'm fairly happy with that because of what happened in, during a period of the game. Um. Team selection, were you... I mean, obviously, we, we got to finally see the back three that we've been banging on about as being, you know, potentially one of the best in the division. Probably fair to say didn't quite work that well, which we'll talk about as one of the talking points later on. Um, but Edmondson back into the start at 11, didn't last very long. <laughs> and then Callum Guy was a surprise. He was the absent one who that Simo was mentioned in the pre-match presser, wasn't he, that he didn't really want to tell anyone about. So, yeah. Guy, guy's absence and Harris starting. What, what were your thoughts when you saw the start eleven? Uh, yeah, given injuries, etc. Uh, I'd say it was probably what we expected. Uh, maybe a case for Devitt over Harris. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would have went for, but no, pretty much what you would have expected. Yeah, 
One of those days, isn't it? Um, well, let's talk about the goals then. Um, first up, uh, Rochdale took the lead on 22 minutes through Scott Quigley. Uh, deadline day signing for them. Tell you what, he looks a good signing for them, doesn't he? He really, really was. I was really impressed with him. And I, I think, I don't think Rochdale are going to be down at the bottom at the end of the season now, based on what I saw at the weekend. I know it's hard to judge when you watch no, one no, game. Um, Radio Cumbria rang me afterwards. I, I went on uh, to give my review, and yeah. I think just before I went on, you'll know yourself having done it. You can hear the fellas chatting yeah. away in your ear, and I think I think Lummy mentioned the same. And you, they, they've got enough fight; they'll they won't be yeah. they won't be at the bottom come the end. If Quigley stays fit, they'll be fine because he'll get about ten to fifteen goals. Yeah, because yeah. he, like I said, he, not just the way he, he took his goals, but he, his actual target man play was really really impressive. He gave Huntington a tough game in the weekend. He really did. Yeah. Um, but this was a weird first goal, wasn't it? It's was a really strange one, this, because it, it, Sinclair was actually being quite well marshalled on the right by Mellish. And he hit sort of a, a low sort of cross that probably wasn't going to go to anyone or would have been intercepted by Gibson. Mellish sticks a foot out. He sort of clips the bottom of Mellish's heel and loops up over the defenders and just it landed about as perfectly as it could for quickly to sort of chest it in at the far post, didn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I don't think at the time people realised that sort of deflection part of it because yeah. it happened so quickly. But uh, you know, quickly couldn't miss, could he? You know, and no. I don't think the defence were really to blame for it. No, and I think of all the goals, this is one of the ones where you look. You think is there much more the defence could have done? I mean, maybe they could have. Because of the weird deflection, you think maybe he could have still got ahead to one of Huntington or Feeney, I think it was at the far post, but I I, I don't think you could blame them too much really for this goal. Just really frustrating to, to go behind there really when we you know, we'd 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 had such a slow start, didn't we? So uh, yeah, it was a tough one. Um Equaliser though, just about fifteen minutes later. And that man again, wasn't it? Big bad John. Gets his second in uh, two games and um, <laughs> got it all. Uh, Hugo Sanchez, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, like it, it was a it was a good response, though, wasn't it? To be fair, yeah, they, yeah, they, they came yeah. back strongly. Um, I, I think I think it was important. We got a goal before half time. Absolutely, because we we hadn't started well. No, no, we certainly you know, hadn't. we hadn't started well. Sluggish. We only sort of came into the game after they scored so yeah definitely um so yeah moxon's corner from the right now funny enough before this corner was taken um johnny and i that i stand at the games with um both sort of said to each other we're not really liking these lofted corners from the right so moxon's moxon's corners from the left are great in swinging but the out swing is sort of lofted ones not very great are they and what do we do we go and score from one basically but um but yeah he's lofted ball in um feeney was actually beat into the ball by the, Ox- the rochdale defender wasn't he and he, he nods it down and it comes to Mellish and it sort of sits up quite nicely. And he it's an overhead kick, but it's not a traditional overhead kick like, you know, ten, you know, six feet in the air, kicking the ball like that, was it? It's sort of hooked over his shoulder. But plenty of power and accuracy into the top corner, wasn't it? It was a great little finish. Yeah. Absolutely. No, yeah, it was, uh, you know, Big John, what Mark you say. Yeah, absolutely. You know exactly what to expect from him, don't you? So, uh, yeah, nice, nicely set us up for the going into the second half. We'll talk about the chances we had before the break in a minute. Um, start the second half, started it slightly lively, but then just tailed off really quickly, didn't we? And yeah, it, it, it's so frustrating to give away two quick fire goals. Um, the first one, really frustrating. I think Harris should do a bit better with the aerial ball into the edge of the Rochdale box, doesn't really win it. Um, the ball comes forward and then 
it comes to quickly, uh, quickly, sorry, and he turns Huntington really well. I have to say, it's a really clever bit of pay. Huntington sells himself a little bit on that one. Um, mm. Turns and um, and the through ball for Rodney's perfect, isn't it? Isn't it? The, the run from Rodney as well is, is is really good. So it doesn't really give Feeney much of a choice. If Feeney takes him out, he's getting sent off basically. Through on goal and then a really good finish from the edge of the box past Hurley. What I would say is when you watch it back, Feeney steps up or stands still. Rodney's about four or five yards offside. That's that's one of those ones, isn't it? He, he just wasn't quite on his game as much Feeney as he has been in previous matches. I don't know if you agree on that one. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think, again, sort of this is a point I was going to cover at the end. But yeah. with the back three... Feeney's spent all pre-season playing as yep, central man mean, of the three. Mean, yep. And now Huntington's come in. He's the obvious, because of his age and less yep. pace, to play there. Whereas Feeney's gone right. And I just think some of this showed in their goals. Yeah, I think I, I, I think you're I, absolutely, don't get me absolutely wrong. spot on. I think it'll come. You yeah. know, they'll, they'll be training on it this week, next week. You know, it'll come. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely spot on there, Dan. To be fair, I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to get used to playing that role, and because it because might people might think, oh, it's just it's just playing in defence. It can be. It is different. Your positioning, everything is going to be completely different. You, you're not, you know, you're going to be more aware of your wing back around you and stuff like that as well. So, so no, I think you're absolutely right. I think you can maybe let it leave it down to that for the on this occasion, I suppose. Um, yeah, but I think it's one of those ones. I think if he's a little bit more up to speed at that point, you just stand still and Rodney's about four or five yards offside when the ball's played free. It's just just one of those things. The most annoying thing is that astonishingly, from the kickoff, we pretty much conceded the second goal or the third goal, even didn't we? It was I, I genuinely did not realise how quickly it was after the kickoff until I watched back the highlights. I don't know why in my head I, I thought there was a two or three minutes afterwards, but no, pretty much straight from the kickoff, long ball forward, we lose the ball again. It comes to Moxon, and oh, it's just so sloppy from Moxon, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, he's, he's got to do a little bit better with that ball to, to Mellish. Sinclair nips in, does a little bit of good play with Jimmy Ball. Ball gets to the edge of the box, finds Quigley in acres of space, and Feeney's got to be a little bit tighter on Quigley there as well. Decent chance for him, and he puts the ball in the back of the net. Mm. Yeah, really, really frustrating. Really annoying couple of minutes, and it's it's something Paul Simpson mentioned at the start of the week. We're yeah. not starting halves well at the moment. No, absolutely you know, not. and th- this this was you know this was a crazy sort of ninety seconds where we, you know, at this point you're like, hell, but yeah. come back we did. Come back we did indeed. A really good response to going down. Only, only six minutes later, United got a uh, goal back into the game and. The catalyst for this was uh, Jamie Devitt, wasn't he? It was actually, to be fair, Dennis actually starts the move for this goal really well because the ball forward, he, he brings it down well to win the ball ahead of the Rochdale player, lays it off for Devitt, and that, oh my God, that pass from Devitt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, I think as, as Mike said, there should be a there should have been a not safe for work. So, so, someone was trying to tell me there was a deflection on it. No, so, uh, no, no, no. Literally, we, we were at the right height for it, and as soon as he hit it, we're all like, "Wow!" That if is... that if that pass had been in the Champions League this midweek, it would be on every Twitter and Facebook yeah. football account going, yeah. because it it was absolutely disgusting. Watch, watch in a good p- way. Watch the pitch side blues footage of it because that shows you that it wasn't deflected. It shows you how well it struck it was, and the the game of the mic wasn't just the fact that it hit in space. It's it's the 
it's the weight he got on it and the fact that he got it enough to, to know it would hold up enough for Gibson to get there and get the ball. And obviously Gibson did get to the ball, playing on the wing at this point, because we switched to 4 3 3. Took on his man, got to the byline, put a ball across, and Gibson, I still can't work out if Gibson actually has touched it. I think he has touched it, but I think it's like with the back of his heel or something like that, isn't it? It's a, it's a weird touch yeah. he gets, which sends it towards the far post, and O'Donnell has a despairing dive and doesn't keep it out. And fair play to the linesman for spotting that, because. To it's see that from only, that far it's right. the only thing he spotted all afternoon. <laughs> yeah, he was a bit slack at times, wasn't he? Was I think atrocious. Yeah, uh, and he obviously the goal was awarded. Um, took another 20 minutes, though, to get the equaliser, didn't it? Um, did have a few chances in the meantime, though, to be fair. And, uh, yeah, it was Paul Huntington. He uh, he was the one who uh, drew his level. A, a goal very much made in the Great Border City, wasn't it? Owen Moxon takes the corner. Uh, perfect placement for it. In the near post, and, and great little flick by Huntington gave what O'Donnell a no proper near post header this was. You know, it reminded me of it. Reminded me, Scott Doby used to score a few goals like that yeah, from yeah. corners. Really, it, it, really good. It, it, it's it's such a simple goal, and it's something we haven't done for two or three years. Yeah, Reese Bennett did it now and again. Yeah, you know, he he could do it. Hayden but, as well as Spurs can do yeah, it as well. But, but yeah, you know, just a, a properly placed corner with defenders attacking it, and you know. If it doesn't go in, the keeper at best is palming it back down, mm-hmm. and you've got the likes of Dennis and that who could, you know, yes, you know, Huntington's going to cause problems on those set pieces. He really, he looks like he's been unleashed. I do wonder if, if his former clubs he was never really given that role because he's not really scored that many goals in his career. If you look back, he's only maybe one or two a season. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he's enjoying uh, a bit more freedom now. Um, interesting. I, I've got a good quiz question for you, actually, Dan. Based on that. So Paul Huntington, obviously, Carlisle Bourne, scored the goal. Who was the last Carlisle Bourne player to score in a league goal for, for Carlisle? I was, no, I said league goal there because Jared Branfoyt scored in the trophy we don't talk about. So who was the last Carlisle Carl Bourne player to score a league goal the for Carlisle? last Carlisle Bourne player. Right. Let me have a think. We'll come back to that. Well, we'll come back to that one. But it's a good quiz question for everyone at home as well. So who's the last Carlisle Bourne uh, player to score a league goal for Carl United. So there you go. Um, let's talk about some of the chances then, Dan. I mean, you know what? It's, it's weird. With hindsight, you look back and you think to yourself, oh, it's a good point that then because we played poorly, you know, we can see three goals and that. But actually, we had quite a few chances in this game. <laughs> a lot more than you, I think we, the team have probably been given credit for. It's just that horrible, you know, slow start and then that horrible first 10, 15 minutes of the second half. Have killed us really. You look back at it. I mean, for Rochdale, the only other chance I could think of that they had bar the goals was that early quickly shot that Holy saved quite comfortably, didn't he? Mm. Beyond that, they didn't really threaten that much. Um, in terms of us, obviously, we had Finback's far post header that came off the defender and went behind for the corner that led to Mellish's goal. Um, but then after we took the lead, two really good chances to make it 2 1, didn't we? The first one. Jaden Harris, you know, Jaden Harris got a bit of stick from some of our fans after this game, and I thought he didn't play that badly, you know. I thought he was all right. He um, he wins the ball back in midfield really, really well, sets it off to Patrick, and credit to Patrick, weighted a perfect ball through for Christian Dennis, who once again beat the offside trap, but the Rochelle keeper, Donald, came out and, and made a really good save, actually, didn't he? Yeah, very good save. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't really grumble about that. But uh, Amari, 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 Amari. Another game where he's had an open goal and he's not scored. He just needs one to go in off his backside, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the yeah. problem at the moment. He, he just needs a little bit of luck, really. I mean, this one, again, 
full credit to Jane Harris for showing good determination down the right. Nick the ball off um, Brearley and brilliant strength to get around him. At first, I thought, oh, he's going to give a foul there. But actually, when you look back at it, there's no foul. He just gets his body in front of him, wins the ball, plays the ball across the six-yard box. And I think this one is tougher than the miss he had against, uh, was it Swindon he missed against the chance? I seem to remember the one where he missed the open goal. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah it would have been. Um, but yeah, he, um, he, he, if you look back at it, the defender just before the defender who's with him actually gets a little bit of a, it's not a massive amount, but a little bit of a touch on it, which is probably enough to put him off. And it and it's coming across so quickly, he has to let it come across to his left foot. But he just doesn't set him to that right, does he? And ends no, up skewing no. the ball wide and... I'm sure he doesn't need us to tell him that he needs to get a goal soon because otherwise he's going to struggle to get in the team. But you know what? He's a confident lad usually, so I'm sure he'll get one soon enough. Um, into the second half, um, he did actually have another good chance, Patrick, from the edge of the box. It was a long ball forward from Moxon, well nodded down by Dennison. He sort of took it on like a half volley, sort of side-footed curling shot, wasn't it? It was a really weird one. And at the time, I thought oh, he's put it well over. But actually, looking back at the highlights, wasn't that far away from scoring. It was only maybe half a yard over the bar. And then, obviously, prior to um, Huntington's goal, the, the corner prior to that, Moxon put the ball in. It was nodded down by Huntington, and Mellish tried a little shot on the turn that was just deflected over, wasn't it? So, plenty of chances. It wasn't like we didn't have many chances in this game. It just defensively we switched off twice, basically, wasn't it? And that's what nearly cost us. So, it was annoying because if this game had continued, I would have fancied us to win it. Yeah, although you say that. If if you look at the um the stats and all that, I don't think we barely had a shot after we took the lead. That's the most. Yeah, important. Sorry, yeah. after we equalised, I do apologise. After we got the made it three three, there wasn't really any other big chances. I mean, Rochdale basically saw the game out at that point, which is full credit to Bentley and the way he is uh, already taking charge there. Um, so yeah, there you go. Right, we've got two sixty second reviews to do. Um, firstly, I have to apologise to Ryan Devlin. I had a bit of a problem with the the sound file he sent over. He was going to send us in one. But uh, we'll get Ryan to do one for a future game, definitely. Um, so instead, we've got uh, two fouls here. We've got one from... Um, I'm not sure who this one's going to be, because I can't see. Because of the way the files appear on the system, I can't see whether this is Matt Spooner or Regan Thompson. I think this one might be Matt Spooner, so we'll try Matt's first. It's Matt Spooner's thoughts on the game. I was really disappointed to see a slow start again on Saturday. I think Simo's alluded to it in the press recently. First game of the season, we really, really started uh, on the front foot. We were pressing high up the pitch, winning it back in the final third and creating chances. But I think we caught us out. Edmondson lost that ball in the middle of the pitch. It was it summed us up. We just didn't look fast enough. There was no urgency. Moxon probably didn't have his finest hour for us, but I think he'd done really well to come back and get a uh, cracking set piece from the corner, which found Huntington's head. And all in all, I think it was a game that showed how, how we miss Guy when he isn't there. He maybe isn't the most finessed player, but he certainly showed at the weekend we didn't miss him what we didn't have. And I think the last 10 seconds, we should just clap and give a big round of applause to how well Jamie Devitt changed the game with that sexy, sexy pass. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Thank you very much, Matt. For that. Hey, absolutely. I couldn't disagree with much of that, really. I mean, the, the, the point about a guy is a really good one, actually. You know, for a lot of time, people have been saying, oh, guy's not been as good this season. He struggled at the start. But he makes his tick, doesn't he? Yeah. He's. I was. I actually, I, I give him not stick, but 
after I mentioned that the next game, he actually had a lot better game, I mm. thought. And, yeah, it was a shame he, he picked up that knock in training because, you know, there was maybe a little sign he was starting to play himself back into a mm. bit of form. So, Yeah, interesting point he made about Edmonton losing that ball as well. He, he, he never really got into the game, did he? He got that early injury and he... And Simo basically took the decision out of his hands, didn't he? He said, look, you're not moving freely enough. I'm taking you off here. Which is it's, it's unusual, isn't it? Because managers don't often do that, do they? They tend to trust players, but Simo just had enough, hadn't he, basically? And just decided, no, I'm going to make the change here. And yeah, Amari came on probably a bit sooner than he expected. I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, right. Well, let's let's have a Regan's one then. So here's Regan's. And let's, let's see if he uses his usual catchphrase in this in this 60-second review. Obviously, goes on saying the first 30 minutes were awful, back to front. Um, defensively, Feeney and Hunton will probably grow together, but I think he needs Feeney to step back and let Hunt be more of the leadership, and Feeney should grow a bit further from that. Um, going forward, I think we just tried to force it a bit too much. If we'd have played a bit more possession football, then we'd have beat them quite comfortably. They just seemed like they wanted to give us the ball back as soon as possible, really, before they'd got the second goal. Um, I didn't really like the look of... Dennis and Edmo up top together from the off. I think he encouraged us to just force it a bit more. Whereas if we have the legs up there early on, we can maybe pass it into Patrick a bit more and play from there and get Gibson into the game a bit more. You take a point, obviously, from that position, but being free, being free one down is not really good enough against them, but fair play for showing the character to get it back. It's good that we've had that early in the season as well because it's a bit of a learning curve and you don't want that happening later in the season when you've got maybe a bit of a run-in. Uh, we're still destined to hammer somebody though so hopefully that comes on Saturday up the Blues oh, it's a bit disappointing didn't use his catchphrase did he Dan that's no, unusual no. I fully uh, expecting him to say that but he the... must be saving it for the three points exactly you know you can't you can't be saying that after a, a free free draw against the team that's bottom of the league can you really but there you go um, I couldn't disagree with a lot of that again about the interesting points he made about the, the captain thing uh, sorry not the captain thing it's more the leadership thing at the back the feeling that maybe not so much Feeney feels undermined, but it's difficult with Huntington almost bossing him about and telling him, go here, go there, from the centre. Do you think that's an issue? I think it'll be something to work on. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, you can tell Huntington's got the experience on the higher level, where they probably do talk a lot more regardless, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, like I say, I think it's early days, and once they get used to it, they should be fine. Interesting the point you made about possession side of things. 55% possession though for us this weekend and I think it's one of the few times this season where we've been on top in terms of possession in yeah, a lot of games yeah. we haven't had the ball much so so yeah maybe maybe even just get, keeping the ball a little bit more even beyond that would be it would be useful um, other starting points I've raised here Dan I think we've pretty much covered a lot of these I mean, we've covered the bit about the first choice back three I think we just feel it's just going to be a bit of time for them to get used to each other isn't it and the different role for Feeney I think as much as anything is going to be the, the point there Um Big John Mellish, man of the match again. That's his third time this season already. He's um, it he's was really... one of those. We were on about. We always have a chat about man of the match mm. on about eighty minutes before this announced, and there wasn't really many standout characters because yeah. he was very Jekyll and Hyde, and John probably had the most consistent game. But it's crazy that we conceded three goals and looked a bit sloppy at times in defence. But he didn't actually have a bad game, Mellish, did he? No, you know, no. and he and he obviously played in midfield for a good half an hour or so of the yeah, game as well, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. So, so yeah, he's yeah. you know he had another good game. To be fair, I was, I was quite impressed with him. And you know, at the end of the day, he's basically made that role his own now, hasn't he? There's, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, 
poor old Duncan Idahan is probably going to have to wait a little bit before he gets a chance or, or John picks up a knock maybe maybe anyway um, we talked we talked about the slow starts costing us um, just in terms of midfield and Devitt worth a start now maybe I mean I don't think Harry's played too bad I actually thought Moxon had a really poor game at times I the first hour slippery. yeah the first hour Moxon would probably admit himself he didn't have the best of games yeah. But once Devitt came on, they started having a bit of a who can ping it the best competition. Yeah. And yeah. it was like some sort of, you know, FIFA yeah. on the PlayStation yeah. tournament. I, I get the reason why he played Harris, because he's, he's a big physical lad, isn't yeah. he? And, he, and, he, and you know what? He does win the ball quite well in midfield quite often. Yeah. He does need to learn not to dive in as much. So I, think I, th- I, think, I think he'll probably take this season with a bit of coaching, won't he? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's on a three-year deal, so we've got time to develop him as a player. But I genuinely think... That could actually be a really good player in there if you work on polishing some of his rough edges. Yeah, yeah. You could have a really good player in there. Um, right, well, before we uh, go to the second half of the show, Dan. Um... Quiz question. Quiz question. I've oh, got go this. On. Right. It's about 15 years ago, isn't it? Give or take. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And the is? answer you're looking for is Paul Murray. Correct. Because 16, year, or 16 years. While we've been recording, I've been working out in my head. Granger was born in Penrith. Yeah. Rig was Keswick way. Yeah. Dempsey was Whitehaven. Beck was Sunderland. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of others. Brad Potts was Hexham. Yeah. Uh, Simonton was out west. Workington, yeah. And I, eventually I thought, Paul Murray, I'm sure he was born in Carlisle, yeah. even though he's a Penrith lad sort of thing. Well, it's funny, you, you did actually miss one of the... Oh, um, Lewis Guy as well. He's Penrith born. Yeah. 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 So Granger and, Granger and Guy are both Penrith born, yeah. so that's, that's yeah. the bit. So yeah, mad, mad that, isn't it? 16 yeah. years. When would it be? I would say oh, 06 or 7-ish, I guess. Uh, start of the 06-07 season. Yeah, the we, first, uh, first day Doncaster. of the season against Doncaster, yeah. One nil, yeah, yeah. The only goal he it's scored about, for us. It was after about four minutes, wasn't it? Really yeah. early. Only goal of his second spell of his as well. That's yeah. I'd love to know before that because I think before that you could be P- possibly Paul Murray. Uh, well, Matt Janssen, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It. I think Matt Janssen might be one because Scott Doby was born in Workington as well. I should have. Yes, yeah, well. yeah. Doby was another that I discounted. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so it's quite a big gap, isn't it? When you consider mm. all things, really, you think you'd have a few more, but but there you go. Um, right, Lito roundup quickly, Dan. Um, no real massive shock results, I think, this week. I think it's fair to say. Orient still going high. It's the only unbeaten team left in the division now, aren't they? Yeah, uh, absolutely flying, aren't they? They're getting the crowds in, playing well. Uh, he's, a good, he's a good manager, Richie Wellens, to be fair, isn't he? It's one of yeah, those ones. Yeah. I think he he chose badly with Salford because there was so yeah. much expectation there. Yeah. And, you know, it, 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 it's not, I mean, with, with the nicest will of the world, they're not a proper football club, are they, really? Um Whereas, you know, Orient are a proper football league club and you, you get the impression he's really settled there. And I'm sure, I mean, they've not made a massive amount of additions in the summer either. So he's done it generally with what was already there. So, you know, done a decent job. I think it is. It, was it George Moncourt that they signed this summer? I think. Or someone like that, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Someone like that who's probably made the big difference. So there you go. Um, locking down through some of the other results. Um Barrow still still flying high, but they got beat uh, their second defeat of the season against Northampton. Yeah, um, they played a proper team and got beat. <laughs> Funny that, isn't it? Um, Stevenage, late goals again. Mm. I mean, surely the luck's going to run out on that sooner or later, but oh, fair play to Steve Evans. He's doing a hell of a job there. A great result for them at, at Crew Alexandra. Um, at the bottom, 
no wins for Hartlepool, Crawley and Rochdale still. I mean, Rochdale look like they'll get a win soon enough, I think, to be honest. I was quite, like I said, we were quite impressed with them. Crawley, I wasn't that impressed in the open day, so I'm not that surprised. Hartlepool, it won't be long before Paul Hartley's under um, pressure there, will it? No, uh, they're not doing well at all, are they? No, I mean, but the result, I mean, one more draw at Colchester weekend, another team that are really struggling actually early on. I mean, they'll probably take that, but even so, you look at when you're playing against a team that's down there with you, you you're probably trying to get the three points, aren't you, really? Um, other than that, the only thing I've picked out is Sutton doing a little bit better than expected, aren't they, so far? We, we, we thought they might struggle a little bit this season, but actually they're doing all right, aren't they? Mm. 2-1 win against Harrogate yeah. Town. Not bad. Although, who've, I'm, just, I'm just pulling it up here. Who've they actually played so far, you know? But beating the, some of the teams around them as well is always a good thing, though, if you, if you expect yeah, them to be a struggler. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, beating Mansfield was a good result. Beating yeah. Barrow was a brilliant result. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, yeah. they've got a couple of good wins there, but there you go. Um, right, well, that's the first half of the show done then. Dan, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back to discuss the two games against Harrogate and Mansfield Town. Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. I love that. It doesn't matter how many times I hear it. The fact that he describes himself from the Football Club makes me laugh every single time. Yeah, great stuff. Right, we are going to preview both the Harrogate and Mansfield games in in one go because we're not going to have time to do a a preview game ahead of the Mansfield match. Um, So, yeah, uh, before we we move on to that bit, should we have Mike's question of the week? Yeah. Right, this is... uh, Mike's question of the week. So a notable player that's played for both Carlisle and Harrogate is Mark Beck. Can you name the other six clubs that he's played for? And I'm going to include loan spells in this. Well, I think I think I can do that. Yeah, I can. Well, should, should, we, should we save that till later on? Do we do that just for the XL section? Maybe? Yeah, I, I think it's quite quite an easy one. This. I feel like it's easy as well. There's yeah. one. That's, there's one in my head that I'm not 100 percent on. But I'm 99% certain on it, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, right, well, uh, let's get on to the uh, preview section. Now, we haven't got a behind enemy lines with Harrogate Town because I can't find a Harrogate Town fan. <laughs> a very to do shy it. bunch. Very shy. I mean, there, was a, we, there was a very weird tweet about that, there, wasn't there? So, yeah. um, Thank, thanks to Gabe Sutton for attempting to find one for us. Yes, yeah, we appreciate that. But, like, very, very, very shy bunch we, we, we basically got a reply saying that nobody's... It, it was very North Korean-esque, wasn't it? It was like, yeah. nobody shall speak out or they will forever be banished. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, very strange stuff, wasn't it? But we did manage to get one from our good friends at the Mansfield Matters podcast ahead of the Mansfield game. Uh, Craig spoke to us. Um, some of the stuff we discussed, I mean, clearly we, we couldn't avoid talking about their playoff heartache in May they were pretty appalling that game against Port Vale weren't they in the playoffs yeah. they had a really bad day at the, the office then um, the lack of transfer activity for them this summer and uh, Nigel Clough's first two years, in, two years in charge at Field Mill so here's the chat I had with Craig uh, earlier this week so for this week's uh, Behind Enemy Lines section of the podcast we've got Craig from the Mansfield Matters uh, podcast um, Craig let's get straight into it talking about uh, Mansfield season so far it's a bit of a bit Bit of a mixed bag for the Stags, hasn't it? I mean, some impressive wins over Doncaster, Stockport, Wimbledon and Tramway. I mean, they're teams that a lot of people expect them to be right up there this season. But then you've had defeats to Salford. I suppose people are expecting Salford to be up there. Leighton Orient have been a bit, slightly surprised package, but very good this season so far. But then probably most disappointingly, the defeat to Sutton. What's the sort of general feeling about uh, your hopes and expectations for this season? 
Well, firstly, we always lose to Sutton, so that's never a surprise. <laughs> yeah, well, we lost to them twice last season as well, and it was not good, so there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of teams underestimate Sutton United, to be fair. Yeah. But uh, I think the expectation this year, that's the, the big, big thing for us. Because of the season we had last year, missing out in the way we did in the playoff final and, and playing so badly at Wembley. But because of what happened before that, the run we went on, it, there's a lot of expectation on us this season to go and win promotion and better what we did last year and the only way to do that is of course by finishing in the top three so there's huge expectation on us the way we've played at home has been absolutely fantastic we've continued the the vein of form we were in at home last year and made it a place where teams do not like to come at all but on the road up until the Doncaster game something just was not clicking something wasn't right and uh, I, I think it's a down to not having a big crowd there you know you look at the, the games that we played, Salford, we we took as many as we could do, but obviously those who, that have been to the Peninsula will know it's not the, the biggest of away ends. Sutton's a nightmare anyway. Leighton Orient, similarly, it's a, a long trip. And then, of course, Doncaster, it's just down the road for us. So we took over 2,500 and that made the difference. So if we could play the season entirely at home, I think we'd all be happy. But we're still a little bit worried about the away formers yet. But uh, there's a long way to go, isn't there? After, to be honest, this is the first time I've actually looked at the league table all season. So yeah. I never usually look until around Christmas time. So uh, I'm quite pleased to see us in seventh. So that'll do. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned about, you know, you get, get results you know, at home for you guys. I just remember the fact that we actually are playing at Field Mill this game and just gone back there to check our record at Field Mill. And I think the last time we won there might be 2003. In fact, looking at, uh, yes, 2004, sorry, it's that famous game where Liam Lawrence uh, missed the penalty in the last minute, which <laughs> um, I think cost you guys promotion, actually, didn't it, I think, because if you'd won, got the point in that game, you might have uh, had a better chance, but there you go. Um, I think you've, you've almost covered the next question I had there, actually, Greg. It's, I was going to say, let's go back to last May and the, and the playoff heartache. I mean, as you mentioned, you went on such a brilliant run in the second half of the season. It must have been so disappointing. Bitterly disappointing to then put in a performance like that at Wembley because I didn't I didn't watch the full game but I watched bits of it while I was doing bits in the garden and I was just genuinely like gobsmacked at how poorly you played I was like I was expecting a really close you know well competing contest here but it, it just wasn't no it wasn't and uh, we, to be fair you know I had the pleasure of being able to comment on that uh, commentate on that game for the commercial radio station I was working for at the time and so for me it was a big big occasion I was doing mm. it with uh, a lad that I've known since he was is, is little and sort of be able to give him that was great doing it with a guy that I'd met that season as well be, we'd become really good friends so it was a really good occasion for me personally but then obviously we kicked off and we've just played dreadfully and uh Ollie Hawkins did what Ollie Hawkins did best and uh, got himself stupidly yellow card and then did it again and got sent off. And to be fair, as a lot of fans turn around and, and perhaps blame Ollie for, for that, but we're already 2-0 down. We were poor. And I actually said to the, to, the, to the lads on the It's All Cobblers to Me podcast after the first leg of the semi-final against Northampton, even if we get through against you guys, if we get Port Vale in the final we will see you again next season in League <laughs> Two because Port Vale last year of all the teams that we played were the side where I just I thought other than Sutton we couldn't cope against and it, it proved right and it was just a, a horrible, horrible day. One which we don't want to remember for a, a long time and the, the thing which sticks out for me um, is at the very end, uh, I had to go down and do the player interviews at the end of the match and I was in the dressing room, sort of outside the dressing rooms at Wembley 
in the tunnel. You could hear all the Port Vale lot celebrating in their dressing rooms. James Perch, the Mansfield captain on the day, came out. He's Mansfield born and bred. He'd had a torrid season last season with uh, a skull injury, which nearly sort of ended his career. Mm. Uh, he managed to captain Mansfield on the day. I'm a Mansfield lad born and bred. Love the club, you know, through thick and thin. And we just looked at each other before we started the interview, looking at each other saying, almost as if to say, Neither of, neither of us want to do this interview right now. We're both absolutely devastated. I've got no idea how we got through that three minutes and didn't manage to cry. So it's one we've boxed in, but uh, there's a great quote which people say down the years. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but, you know, strength comes through pain. And uh, hopefully this year, you know, we've not made rash decisions off the pitch in terms of sacking the manager. We've stuck with a majority of the core of the squad. And uh, hopefully this year we'll, we'll kick on and build. It's interesting you mentioned all those bits about you know the experience of being at Wembley. I, I used to work as the media assistant at Car United, and I've got to go to Wembley twice in the uh, Johnson's Paint Trophy. First time around when we got battered by Southampton four one, and that I remember that trying to get down to the to where you mentioned the tunnel bit at the end of the game and um, to go and do the, the play interviews. Or, you um, have to walk past the steps, don't you? It's horrible. Uh, but the thing is, I got to the steps and I couldn't go any further because the players were coming. The Southampton players were coming down with the trophy, and I was like, I don't want to see this. Mm. Come on, just let, let let me get down, please. And and yeah, I remember feeling that feeling that day when you're in the tunnel and you're interviewing these players, and again, they, they don't want to be there because they're like, I've just been battered for one. Why do I want to be here? Yeah. Then twelve months later, we were back there and we beat Brentford one nil, and the feeling is completely different. You're on the pitch, and it's there's nothing quite like it, even as like a a fan is it? It, it? A fan working for the club. It, it, it's about the pinnacle you can get over than actually being out there playing on the pitch. But uh, there you go. You've you've moved nicely again. Once again, into the next question, I had to be there. Actually, I was going to say about the fact that uh, your recruitment this summer very quiet. You know, I yeah. think of all the clubs in the division, I think you've probably been the quietest. Actually, I mean, are you happy with that? I mean, I think most fans would have agreed. Actually, you did have one of the strongest squads in the division last season, so maybe it doesn't need massive changes. Well, we could have done with a striker on deadline day, but when we missed out on the, the 11th hour. But, uh, uh, you know, I think when you look at our squad, when you, you sort of strip it back, you know, we, we've got a decent enough um, call there anyway. I was really, really pleased in the summer to not see us chop and change because we've been in that position before where we lost out in the playoffs and, and not got promoted and made radical changes. Then you're almost starting from scratch, aren't you? And it doesn't work and you've yeah. still got a few players there and it's just absolutely toxic. So, you know, we've recruited well. We had to replace the, the two goalkeepers. Marek Steck was on um, big money and didn't play really last season. Nigel Clough didn't really fancy him, although he was a great sort of supporter of the club and will be well respected by all the fans. Nathan Bishop on a year's long loan from... Manchester United, they wanted him to go higher. I find that quite baffling, actually, that they've not sent him out anywhere. Um, but we've replaced them with two good keepers in Scott Flinders, who's very experienced at this level. And Christy Pym, who, you know, for, for years was excellent at Exeter and has already kept it in a few games. So we've recruited well in that department. Obviously, we had Matty Longstaff for half a season last year and Jamie Murphy as well. We've replaced them with good players. Hiram Boateng, who's come in from MK Dons, even though he's not really played because he'd been injured, looked a bright spark in pre-season and really slotted into how we want to play. Every area that we've recruited in, we've we've recruited well and we've we've done better than what we had last year. And I think what's also sort of helped us this year as well, we've changed the shape slightly. We no longer play with a, a back four. We go play with a back three now with wing backs. And that really sort of helps us dominate games on, on home soil. It's not worked for us away from home up until Doncaster, but... Um, you know, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat, isn't there? So uh, 
I think in terms of recruitment, very, very pleased uh, indeed to see where we are. We've not thrown money at it. Uh, I think a lot of fans will look at it and say, oh, the Mansfield, they've got big money. Well, if you look at the financial records and the history, we're actually, from compared to where we were the last time we were in the playoffs, which was two, three seasons ago now, just before the, the season mm-hmm. before the half season with COVID, um, we've got a much better squad in terms of ability, experience, um, with promotions, etc. on the CV at probably 30-40% the cost. And, you know, Nigel Clough and his recruitment team have got to take huge, huge credit for that. And if we don't get promoted this season, it, we might be having a different conversation this time next year in terms of who's in charge. But, you know, building blocks. Very few football clubs are patient with managers now and the vision where they want to go. Mansfield seemed the exception to the rule. So, yes, frustrated that we've perhaps not brought in that one extra player. But I think we had a lot of core there. And like I said before, you know, you know, from pain comes glory. So uh, you use that, don't you, to push on. And yeah. I think a lot of these players will be doing that. Well, you did mention uh, Hiram Boateng there. I, I did actually think when I was looking for your squad, he, he stands out to me as, as a good signing. You've let Danny Johnson go on loan to Walsall. And he's obviously had a, a very bright start of season for them. Is that a bit of a frustration? Or is it a case of it, 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 just <laughs> didn't, it just didn't work out for him at Field Mill? Sometimes players just don't oh. fit at clubs, do they? 90% of the fans, uh, well, I say 90%, but that's probably a bit unfair, but there's, there's a it's sort of two camps. This camp, every time Danny Johnson scores a goal, it's on Facebook in one <laughs> yeah. of the, the supporters groups. And then there's the fans that see that he was absolutely, it didn't work. Um, Nigel Clough brought him in last summer. He obviously had a great record at Leighton Orient and yeah. he looked poised to be that guy. And then he, he started playing for us and it didn't work out. What a lot of people don't understand and don't appreciate about football and this is one of my biggest bugbears. If we ever did like a football version of Room 101, this would go straight in. They don't appreciate that footballers are human beings. So when they yeah. move from one club to one club, it's like you moving from a job. You've got to uproot your entire family. You've got to find yeah. new schools for your kids. You've got to say goodbye to your parents, your friends, your loved ones, and move to a completely different area. Danny Johnson did that. He moved from the capital up to up to Mansfield and... Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, it, it didn't fit in. We've seen it with so many players over the years yeah. and he just couldn't get a, a foot in. He, he he didn't start the season well and um, he was just left out. And then towards the back end of last season, didn't feature at all. And it was a, a no-brainer that he was going to go. Yes, if you've been clinic, cynical, you can sort of say it's frustrating that he's gone to a you know a, a League 2 rival in, in Warsaw and he's banging the goals in for them. But look at the table. Where are they? Mid-table, eight points. Where are we? Seventh, 12 points kicking on. It will balance it out over the the course of the season. And when the January transfer window comes, when we cash in on him, nobody will be disappointed then. So it's just about, you know, biting your tongue a little bit and, and just sort of saying when things don't work, they don't work. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 we've got a similar thing at Carlisle with um, you know, Paddy Madden. Obviously, at Stockport yeah. now. We 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 were the first come to bring him over from Ireland to um to the UK, um, and I think he made something like thirty appearances for us and scored one or two goals. I think mm. he just never clicked for us. And then he went to Yeovil, did well on loan there, and rather than bringing him back and playing him, we just sold him to Yeovil in the end. And our fans have regretted it ever since. But he just didn't work for us with us. It just happens the thing is sometimes. Well, it's, it's all about their mental health and happiness yeah. behind the scenes as well. If they're not settled at a club, they're not going to kick on. They're not going to perform to you. They're not going to want to turn up to work and play. Obviously, I was in and around it a little bit last year and saw him on the training ground. And yeah. I, I don't want to be throwing any players under the bus or anything like that or painting anyone in a negative picture. But 
there were players that walked in and said good morning to you and had a smile on their face. Yeah. And then there were others that didn't. Make up your mind on who that was <laughs> from what I've said. Read between yeah. the lines. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, before we get finished, can I ask you about Nigel Clough, uh, your gaffer? Been in charge for it'll be two years, I think, in a couple of months' time. Yeah. Um, happy with what he's done so far? You know, happy with the job he's doing? Personally, delighted. I mean, a lot of there'll be a proportion of fans again that are disappointed that we didn't get promotion last season. Some will see it as a as another failure. But when you you look at the time he was brought in and the job he was asked to do, and you analyse that. You have to take your hat off for it to him. Mm-hmm. He comes in, you know, mid-pandemic, where we've got one of the biggest budgeted squads in in League Two with players who, if we're being completely honest, would probably struggle to get in a conference side um, mm-hmm. in terms of the way they were performing. He has to trim the squad. At the same time, he's trimming the squad. He's also got to bring a new squad in and balance the books in a COVID season where you're not having revenue coming through the doors in terms of ticket sales and, and, and other bits and bobs which which come with it. He does that. He keeps us up. He keeps us in a respectable position. We even have a bit, bit of a decent run. There was a, a, a small point where we could have had a little push towards the playoffs at the end of that, mm-hmm. that season. We didn't have enough in the squad and I think we all accepted that. Last season was frustrating. We obviously had a, a poor start after the first three games. We didn't win in 14 games and we had a lot of injuries and suspensions but then we kicked on it it absolutely um turned out to be one of the best seasons as supporters we've had in a long time the home attendances shot through the roof we've on the back of that you know we were selling out games towards the back end of the season we've had record season ticket sales this season it looks like we're going to get around eight and a half nine thousand there against Bradford on Saturday we've been regularly beating the five six k mark at home in league games, even for the the Papa John's trophy game, you know, we only usually open the lower tier for that and expect around 500. We hit over, you know, just under 2000 fans there for that one. So it says a lot about what he's building. He's brought in a very, very good squad. He's put them in a good shape. All right. There's been some bumps in the road, but nothing is ever a smooth path. And I think what he's, he's really showing is that longevity is the key. You look at, you know, Salford for a prime example, they yeah. missed out on the playoffs, didn't they? By what? one or two points towards the back end of last season. They had a really good manager in place and then they sacked him. And then the new managers come in, pretty much overhauled the squad. All right, they're in you know fourth place at the moment, a couple of points above us. But when it goes sour for him, and if it does, he'll get the sack and it'll yeah. be a similar thing again. And all of these clubs that you know are reactive because they're not getting what they want, the one common denominator is they're not having patience. They're not allowing somebody to build and, you know, put a project up if you i liken it to to build building a building a house you can put a house up in a day if you wanted to but if the foundations aren't done properly yeah. one storm that's blowing over and well, it, it's a mess to sort out so nigel clough is the storm fixer we're in exactly the same situation with paul simpson in there he's been given a free year deal and it's very clear that that's the first manager we've given a free year deal that i can think of in recent memory mm. and the reason he's given that is because the the board are like right take your time and build something proper here let's not be silly here and you know try and you know go you know oh, I'm trying to think of the boom and bust basically you know what I mean like yeah as we, as we tried under Keith Curl and that basically is why we ended up in a mess for two or three years because of the ridiculous contracts we had yeah let's, and, let's not forget, forget involvement in that uh, oh you, you've done it there I'm gonna have to get the clown car noise or we we, we bleep <laughs> out uh, his it. name 
So hey, yeah. I personally hate him. I'm with you. Can't stand yeah. the bloke. So yeah, I'm going to have to remember to put the clown car not car noise in now. Um, yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Isn't it? It's basically it's about patience at this level, isn't it? Sometimes in in building something for the long term, and you know. Managers like Clough and Simpson aren't the youngest, but it doesn't doesn't mean they they're not capable of you know building something together, is it really? So there you go. Um, right before we in fact before we do properly finish up, uh, you want to give us a couple of names of any danger men to look out for in your squad. Well, the, the tough thing we've got at the minute is we we we're not being able to in the position at the minute to pick an eleven based on the best eleven we're <laughs> who's available. Again, we've got these knocks Snap. and niggles <laughs> and illnesses. Again, against the Doncaster game, we named Elliot Hewitt in the starting lineup. Riley Harbottle walks out. Hugh is no, Hewitt's nowhere to be seen. He's thrown up in the toilet. So it could be an interesting one. Um, personally, uh, Lucas Aikens gets a lot of stick. But when he plays up front, he had a really good game against Doncaster. Holds mm-hmm. the ball up well and, and gets some dangerous balls into some good areas. Ollie Clark's coming back into his own. He didn't feature a lot. He's the captain. Didn't feature a lot last season. A lot of fans were sort of saying, you know, he'll be on his way. He really, really played well, as does... Um, George Maris, but for me, I think one to watch, other than the obvious of Stephen McLaughlin down the, the left hand side, I think you, you've got to keep your eye on uh, the likes of uh, um, Anthony Hartigan, who we brought in from AFC Wimbledon after he was released. We didn't need him, we didn't need another midfielder at all, but he's come mm-hmm. in and played very well, gets on the ball and uh, and does really, really well. So I keep an eye on him. And basically, our midfield, if we pick the right midfield, especially at home, you're, you're going to struggle. I mean, Mansfield's not the greatest place to come to on a Tuesday night and neither is Carlisle, to be fair, when we have the reverse fixture later on in the season. But uh, I, I'd just watch it on iFollow and wouldn't bother travelling because it'll be a tough <laughs> night for you, to be honest. Yeah, well, At home anyway, at home. It, it depends for us, really. Which I mean, again, we, we've had the problem with the start of the season. We've had 11 players out injured and yet we still find ourselves in mid-table, which is why we're actually yeah. quietly optimistic about how we can do this season. And Midfield's an area for us where we've we brought in Owen Moxon. Um, our fans will tell you about from Anan Athletic in the summer. He's a Carlisle lad. He was started out on our academy and left when he was sixteen, but he's gone to Anan. He's, he's he's done his you know hard yards there, and he, you would never guess he'd never played professional football before because mm-hmm. he's took it to like a duck to water. He's been incredible. But there you yeah, go. we've got one like that, James Gale, who's a, a young striker. He's only sort of eighteen, nineteen years mm. of old. He, he was playing at Long Eaton, I think, uh, last year and bagging goals in, signed in the, in the summer on deadline day. And he's, because we've got Reese Oates out injured at the minute, he's sort of getting a bit more of a look and he's really, really physical. So uh, actually, yeah. probably shouldn't have admitted him from the <laughs> one to watch, really. So uh, there, you, there go. you go. Well, you've been, you've been very generous with your time, Greg. Thank you very much. And just before you go, what's your prediction for the game? Oh, with us being, if we were away, I think I'd, I'd probably put it down to a draw. But with us being at home, um, we always make a lot of noise at home. It's be- become a really good place to, to go. I'm going to say... Uh, we do a clean sheet. I'm going to go a two-nil win for the Stags, and uh, yeah, and, and and fingers crossed that doesn't come back to bite me on the backside. Well, it's rare that we don't score this season, so that's an interesting prediction. Uh, Craig, thanks very much for your time, and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season after this uh, this game. I was going to say this weekend, <laughs> but it's a midweek, isn't it? After the midweek game, always a pleasure. Safe trip to everyone coming down. Yeah, big thanks once again to Craig for giving up his time to speak to us about uh, Mansfield Town. Seems very confident, doesn't he, Dan? Uh, going into this season, they, I mean, despite the fact that obviously they've they've been very quiet in the transfer market, which we'll you know, we'll talk about maybe a little bit more later. They seem pretty happy with what they've got. Yeah, uh, they've got quite a good squad, haven't they? I don't think yeah. they need too much kerfuffle. Uh, obviously, we'll discuss in depth in a minute. Yeah, but uh, no, I think they're going to be up there. I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, in terms of away pubs for the Mansfield, the recommended pub is the Bold Forester, which is on Botany Avenue, and uh, the postcode is NG18. 
SN, oh, SNG? That should be a 5NG, I think. 5NG. 5NG, yeah. I do apologise. That's Simon's fault, by the way, if Simon's listening. He sent me the wrong postcode there. Um, <laughs> let's move straight into the Mansfield one then, Dan. Talk about them. Um, referee for this one is Sam Allison. Um, this is obviously Tuesday night game at 7.45 kickoff. Um, yeah, so Sam Allison's referee. It is his uh, third season in the EFL. He's uh, taken charge of three games so far this season. Um, handing out eight yellow cards and one red card. Funny enough, that one red card was to Paddy Bannon uh, in the Stockport against Swindon game. Um, last season, he, he handed out 126 yellows and seven red cards in 31 games. Uh, he last took charge of a United game. <laughs> what a game to take charge of, eh? 2-1 winner for last-minute winner. And to be fair, he refereed that game quite well from what I remember. You didn't really notice him much, did he? Just yeah. got on with the game and it was a good, good, very competitive contest between two teams. So yeah, pair play. Um, head-to-head record is 86 meeting between the two sides. Carlisle have won 33. Uh, the Stags have won uh, 33 as well. And 19 have ended in a draw. Um, yeah, in terms of their squad, Dan, looking for it. And obviously you mentioned just before, transfer-wise, they've not done much this summer, have they? Been very quiet. No, but They've signed some decent players because the one that stands out is the two keepers, Flinders and Christy Pibb. That's yeah. two good goalkeepers. For this level, definitely. Yeah. What, I, what I would say about that is Christy Pimm's one of those ones. I've always been so impressed with his shot stopping, but he is only about 5 foot 11. Yeah. And yeah. if you get your big men in and around him, he's not going to be able to claim the ball as well. I, I remember when he was at, he was at Exeter, wasn't he, in those playoff yeah, games? Yeah, yeah. And when we targeted him a little bit, he did struggle a bit. So it's one of those things you look and you're kind of hoping that Edmonton's fit for that game because he'd be the perfect person to be to getting on him. And on set pieces, you've got to get Huntington near him, haven't you, really? To put him off as yeah. much as anything, or even many. It's zero surprise that they've got the usual couple of lawnies off Notts Forest. Well, apparently, the, as, as Craig was saying to me, that apparently um, uh, Finn Back was one they targeted as well. But obviously, we had the advantage of uh, Simo's good relationship with Steve Cooper. Well, I'm I'm informed that Riley Harbottle was on our radar, who's gone to yeah. Mansfield. So maybe a trade off will take one. You have the other. Yeah, he's he's very well thought of Harbottle, isn't he? I think he's one that yeah. you think highly of, like back. So good good signing for um for Mansfield. I mean, you've obviously mentioned the two keepers there. Even Haram Broateng coming from um yeah, MK yeah. Dons is another good one, isn't he? And um, in terms of going out the other way, Tyrese Sinclair went to Rochdale. He did quite well against us, but he's clearly not one who was mm. surplus to requirements there. But Danny Johnson going out on loan, he just didn't seem to settle there, did he? He seemed to, to struggle a little bit. He didn't really find the form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just doesn't work at some clubs, does it? Obviously, he's gone to Walsall and he's gone for fun there. <laughs> so yeah. it, it, it's a frustrating one. Yeah, But that's, that's the one area, I suppose, when you look at their squad, they haven't really replaced him, have they? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, but they, they do look a good, solid, solid team, don't they? Midfield's the area I look, and I think you know you've got James Perch and Stephen Quinn, bags of experience. George Lapsley as well, you know, in in midfield yeah. as well. He, he's Jordan Bowery. Yeah, exactly. And Maris, there's yeah. some good names there, you know. Yeah, I mean, even defence, John Joe O'Toole. I think most teams in this division would take him as a defender. Oh yeah, they? yeah. I mean, he's yeah. an absolute head case. <laughs> you know, he'll he'll get a few a couple of red cards a season, but. You know, in a game where you need to dig in, he'll be there. You know, right at the front where you'll be really fighting. Yeah. So there you go. Um, last time out, really good result for them, wasn't it? Three-one win at Doncaster. I think this yeah. is end Doncaster's unbeaten start of the season. This one. 
Yeah, and it's, it's always a bit of a, a grudge match, this going back Darby, to the miners' it? strike. Because I won't bore everyone with my <laughs> historical knowledge, but obviously Doncaster, South Yorkshire, big uh, yeah. big strike place, and Mansfield Knots went to work, and there's a lot of bad feeling. Yes, definitely. It's uh... yeah. It's been a, it's one of those ones, isn't it? And then, by all accounts, they took a big allocation, and they, uh, maybe that, maybe that's what made the difference. Because as Craig mentioned to us, they've been so good at home this season, but they've really struggled away from home. Mm-hmm. But then one game where they're able to take a big allocation, and then they get re- the result. Um, took the lead through uh, Ollie Clark, uh, pegged back by a Lee Tomlin penalty just before half time. But then into the second half, George Marison, uh, Lucas Aikens penalty mm-hmm. got them all three points, and I, I think they'll be pretty pleased with that. In terms of the Current form table, although they're not right up there, they are fourth actually in the in the last uh, six games. So that's one of those things that will start to make more sense over the next few games. When you know about ten games into the season, that form table will be certainly show be a better indicator maybe than just looking at the league table before games, won't it? So, so there you go. But yeah, in, in terms of Mansfield, fully expect them to be up there in the season. Aren't we? I think we yeah. all predict them to be so tough game. This is going to be. Let's talk about. Uh, United, um, yeah, it is big question of this one. I suppose is if Callum Guy's fit, does he come straight back in? It's whether Guy and Edmondson are fit, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I'd say Guy's probably got more chance than Edmondson. Obviously, yeah. we haven't heard the latest in the uh, pre-match press yeah. stuff, but yeah, it's basically whether they're fit or not. Uh, Edmondson, even if he is, will he come from the bench, giving Patrick the start? Yeah. If he's not fit, will will Fishburne even be on the bench? You never know. Could be, you know. He's got. I mean, you you may look at it. Well, you know what? He's got a goal in that midweek yeah, game. Yeah, he'll be yeah. confident. Let's give the lad a run out. Where does Stretton seem to miss a couple? You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, so I'm sure Stretton will be on there anyway. But you know, you maybe give him a chance to to be on the bench and part yeah. of the first team squad yeah. again. Um, yeah, the question there, LT, is if Guy's not fit, it's whether it's Devitt or Harris, isn't it, really? And that, for me, I'd go for Devitt, definitely a Harrogate. Maybe it's you yeah. play one and one and one in the other, basically. Yeah, well, I'd play, if I had to go one for one, I'd play Devitt at Harrogate. Yeah. And Harris probably where we, Mansfield will likely be a tougher game, so... Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yes, I mean, in terms of that, we, team-wise, we'd we pick the same goalkeeper and back four, wouldn't we? Back five even, sorry. Yeah. Then it's just literally those two places that is the big question about, I suppose. So, yeah. yeah, there you go. Right, should we do uh, some predictions then, Dan? Um, yeah. Do you want to go first? Uh, Mansfield, I'll take a one-all draw every day of the week. Okay. Christian Dennis. It's got to be, stock. isn't it? Yeah, it's just my stock answer. You, you, KD14 every game. <laughs> You're taking my answer there. I've, I've done every single game this season. Yeah. And for the Mansfield game, I'm going to go the same as you. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw in that one. I just think I would 100% take that any day of the week. And John Mellish will get the goal in that one. Get his third yeah. of the season. So uh, so there you go. So we, uh, let, let's have uh, Mike's predictions now. Here's his prediction for the Mansfield one. I'm going to back a 1-1 draw with Jamie Devitt getting our goal. So yeah, J- Jamie Devitt to score on that one. Is okay. That that will be an interesting one if he does finish a one-one draw to see who exactly uh, gets the, the the bonus point and maximum if they get the the score right. There you go. Yeah. Um, the, just an update in terms of the uh, the, the points for the uh, prediction competition between the three of us. It's level neck and neck with me and you now, isn't it? Six each, and uh, Mike's c- 
just slowly creeping up on three points, but he's uh, still lagging behind, isn't he? So yeah. So there you go. Um, right, should we try and get the answer to Mike's question before we do? Yes. The yes. Right. What are we going with? I, I think Workington. Workington was the one I wasn't hundred percent on, but I'm now I think about. Well, I'm pretty sure he did have a loan there. So he was. He was young when he went. Yeah. I'm talking eighteen. Then he went to Falkirk on loan. Absolutely, I completely forgot about that one. Really, really well remember that. So, so we're going Carlisle. Was it, was it six clubs other than Carlisle that you said? Carlisle and Harrogate plus six. Carl Harrogate, Workington, Workington and Falkirk. Falkirk, Darlington. He's at now, obviously. Yeah, he transferred to Yeovil. Y- Yeovil before he went to Darlington, and obviously in between that he had a spell at Wrexham. Was it Wrexham? I thought it was York City. No, he's been to York, but he was also at Wrexham. That'll be the yeah. one that throws people. When he was at Yeovil, he didn't play much, and he went to Wrexham on loan. Ah. Then he joined Darlington. Then he had his big spell at Harrogate, where he had a loan spell at York uh, last so, year, I think it was. So we're going, we're going Workington, Falkirk, Wrexham, Yeovil, Darlington, Darlington and York. York. Okay, that's and of course six. he's back at Darlington this season, yes, as we will hear soon. Well, then yeah, let's let's um, let's see what if we've got that right. I'm fairly sure we have, but let's see what the answer is. So while he was with us, we loaned him out to Workington and Falkirk, and then he signed for Yeovil permanently. Had a loan spell at Wrexham. He signed for Darlington before he signed for Harrogate. And then he had a loan spell at York, and now he's back at Darlington. Well, there you go. Well done, Dan, because I completely forgot about his spell at Wrexham. In fact, I'd forgotten about Yeovil as well, <laughs> weirdly <laughs> enough. So I, I remember there was a team in Scotland and I wasn't 100% yeah. sure if it was Falkirk or not, but, uh, but there you go. Right, let's get things wrapped up. Let's do the x file section. A busy week in terms of goals and a few transfers as well, isn't there? Yeah, takes a deep breath. Uh, Naki Wells scored twice in Bristol City's 3-2 win at Blackburn. Mm-hmm. Jack Marriott scored for Peterborough in a 2-1 defeat at Portsmouth. Sam Cosgrove scored twice on his debut for Plymouth in a dramatic 3-2 win at Derby. They were 2-0 down at half-time, weren't they, Plymouth, mm. in this one? So, I mean, yeah. you know, maybe Plymouth is one of those clubs like Aberdeen where it just works for Sam Cosgrove. Yeah, yeah. Might be. There you go. Uh, Ryan Loft scored for Bristol Rovers again in a 2 all draw mm. at Morecambe. Andy Cook scored in Bradford's 2-1 win over his old club also. I mean, last season we scored against them. He got a bit sticked in. So I'd imagine it would be the same in this one. I'd, yeah. I, I think they're going to be heavily reliant on him for goals this season, aren't they? Yeah. Bradford. Yeah. Concrete Rod scored for Crew again in 2-1 defeat to Stevenage. Mm-hmm. Tristan Abraham scored in East, one, East Lee's 2-1 defeat at Bromley. Mm. Uh, Kedwin Scott scored in Not County's 5-0 win against Dagenham. Adam Campbell scored in Gateshead's 4-1 win over Maidstone. Yeah. Danny Devine scored a brilliant, very John Mellish yes. goal in their three-all draw with Kingsley in town. Is it, isn't it more Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but then the, yeah. the same thing, aren't they, Mellish and Ibrahimovic? Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark Beck, who we just uh, obviously talked about, scored in Darlow's 3-2 win over Boston. Uh, Dan Wordsworth scored in Workington's 3-2 defeat in the FA Cup at South Shields. I mean, Workington were unlucky there, aren't they? Because that's yeah. that's the toughest game they could have had, really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. And midweek, Lewis Alexandra scored his first goal for South Shields, the 2-1 win over Geisley. And Connor Tinian scored for Workington in a 3-0 win over Ramsbottom. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Workington have finally found a bit of form now, don't they? Yeah, they struggled yeah. a bit at the start of the season, but they're picking up yeah. a bit. Uh, it was deadline day last week, as we've already said. Sam Cosgrove joined Plymouth on a season-long loan. 
Uh, Harry McCurdy joined Hibs from Swindon for an undisclosed fee. This got announced at half one in the morning, and there was mm. complete radio silence till late afternoon, which, given what old Harry's like on his socials... <laughs> Quite impressive, know, actually. <laughs> apparently, they were waiting fee for clearance to confirm yeah. it had happened. Yeah. And then a couple of uh, random ones. Liam McCarron has joined Port Vale on a season-long loan from Stoke. Yeah. Which and Brad Young signed for Air United on a season long loan from Aston Villa. If you haven't seen it, go and look at the photo they took of his uh, signing unveiling because it's it's bizarre, <laughs> isn't it? He looks miserable as hell for a start. Yeah. And then there's two shirts hanging up on coat hangers behind him on the, the net. Very strange. Yeah. Uh Lee Miller's son, Lennon, who I think we've mentioned previously. He was on the bench. Ma- yeah, yeah. Made his debut for Motherwell, becoming their youngest ever player in the process. Well the thing is that the manager actually said, didn't he, he would have played him sooner, but you're not allowed to play a player before the age of sixteen in Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Basically. So the chances are he will he will remain their youngest ever player because they won't be able to pick anyone particularly one, younger. One piece of bad news, uh, Hallam yeah. Hope was hospitalised after a vicious attack, allegedly by a Chesterfield yeah. player, in the car park at Boundary Park after the game between the two sides. We're not going to make any allegations about yeah. any players. We'll just do a little clarification here, because some of the rumours going on the internet, it's not Mike Jones that the, the, the rumour is, because there's been a lot of talk about this and it's not, so... Allegedly. All allegedly, yeah. Yes, exactly. There you go. That's it, isn't it, Dan? All wrapped up. There you go. Busy week. Very busy week indeed. Um, Thanks once again to our sponsors, the London Branch, for sponsoring the podcast. Always appreciated. Um, But we'll be back next week with a uh, preview of the Wimbledon game, won't we, Dan? I was uh, just trying to think who who we play next. Wimbledon. I'm looking forward to that one because my uh, my nephew, Miles, is going to be the mascot for that game. Oh, cool. So that'll be a nice little one to see. Um, so, yeah, so it should be a good one. And, uh, oh, yeah, I should say, actually, as well, we've got the interviews lined up now. We've got one lined up, definitely, and we've got hopefully a couple more as well to come. Um, but the one that we've got lined up, I just need to, to speak to the person just to finalise a, a date and time with them, don't we, Dan? So, yeah, be a bell uh, to that one. Well, uh, I need to check my uh, work, etc. <laughs> exactly. See if we can fit both of us in as well. Brilliantly. Right, that's it, Dan. Thanks very much for joining me. Always appreciated. Thanks everyone for listening and up the blues. Up the blues.